Welcome to the Global Missions Inc. podcast. This week's episode features Herrick Holt with a message called The Open Door. Brother York, in the giving one of his messages, he mentioned how that uh, when the time came in this episode that he was talking about, the problems that Israel had and so on, but God was making provision of the manna and he made provision of the fowl. And when the wind blew, it said the the uh, the partridge came from the sea. Now, you'll never find a partridge in the sea. You might find a seagull, but a part of these partridge came flying in from the sea on that presence of that wind of God. Uh, you can have many strange experiences like that, how God speaks to you. And they're very important. One young lady told me how she brought her father-in-law to a meeting like this, and she just was, she just brought him out of kindness of her heart to be, because he wanted to be in the meeting. And uh, she said, while she sat there, she said a, a breeze went right over her, and her eyes were open to what God was doing. Isn't that an amazing thing, how God will do a thing like that? Just allow that breeze to go over you. And all of a sudden, the spirit of revelation fell upon her and she could understand what the Spirit of God was doing. These are experiences that are buried throughout the entire church. Sister Walters told us just a few days ago, when she first came to the meeting, uh, she'd had a... um, uh, she was told of God an angel would guide her, and she left Melford, I think it was, and came to North Battleford. And then she uh, came to one of the meetings, and as she sat in the meeting, it, she said it was just such a mess, she didn't understand anything about it. And the Spirit of the Lord spoke to her, and uh, was dealing with the blindness, wasn't it? Yeah. And she said, did the blind man, God said to her, did the blind man see before he believed or believed and then he saw? She said he believed and then he saw. And she believed in that split second and her eyes were open. Amazing, isn't it? It'd take you a thousand years to, to have an experience like that. These are those marvelous things. You'll have the same thing concerning healing. The Spirit of God will whisper to you, I am the Lord that healeth thee, beyond dispute. And your heart will have the capabilities of embracing it. And you're, you, do not, you do not lean upon the analysis of your mind That will handle information, but the heart has the capabilities of believing. Tremendous capabilities. And it it will be in all levels of life. I've seen where young children have prayed for their parents when they were deathly sick, and they believed that God would raise them up. 
So, these are some of the wonderful experiences. I am going to turn to a, a passage of Scripture. John, the great apostle John. There's one experience that uh, is noted in the Scriptures where uh, Jesus had gathered all of his disciples together and they met in, in Simon's house who was a leper. Now that's quite a thing, you know, that uh, people were fearful of, of leprosy. But Jesus gathered them this day and uh, all the disciples was there and Mary was there. There were other evangels that were there, but they never mentioned her name, but John mentions her name. I never, th- hardly ever think of of the apostolic men of the first day. When I come to John, I always think of, of Brother Wager. There are so many things that are comparable in both of their lives. He would have remembered her name. If I'd have been sitting in that group, not likely I would have. And so if I'd have written uh, like some of the others had written, uh, possibly I wouldn't have even thought of her name. But she was there, and in the book of John, John's name was there. John Mary's name was there. She was in this group that he had gathered together. And uh, in the course of the uh, of the supper and the gathering together, they were looking at the uh, at the grand finale of the life of Jesus. Uh, they were just days away from him going to Jerusalem. They were in a little village outside of Jerusalem in a leper's home who had been healed by Jesus. And they all gathered there, and this woman, Mary, took an alabaster box, and she broke it. And she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped it with her hair. Judas was there, and he said, he frowned on the what she did. I want you to notice this thing, because these were all apostolic men. I don't, you see, apostolic men have it, have the way of people overvaluing us, getting us up on a pinnacle and, and thinking that we are beyond mistake and beyond doing things improperly. Uh, you'd only have to be married to me to know that, that wasn't true. That's right, one, one month with me, you'd all you women would know the absolute truth. That that couldn't be. But there they were, and Judas Iscariot, who was possibly uh, uh, quite vocal because he had many things about him that just weren't the way they should be. Why, why he was to linger was only for one purpose, and that was to uh, to perform his dastardly deed and and see that Jesus was betrayed, and uh, which he did later on, just a matter of days away from this. And he said, now this shouldn't have been broken. Here the perfume would fill the entire house. And uh, he said, if you had saved that and sold it and given it to the poor, there's 300 pence there, a lot of money. We could have used it for the poor. He had no love for the poor. A man that was, couldn't discern between those two things had no love for the poor. He only had love for the money and the bag. And the other disciples all agreed it should have been used for something else. Isn't that an amazing thing? They all agreed that Judas's carrot was right. 
And then Jesus, he said, no, leave the woman alone. He said, this record of this event will be, will last as long as posterity lasts. An amazing thing. And I was reading it the other day and I, I thought of that. He blessed her and he, he told her it was a wonderful act. You somehow are seeing that that's something to do with my anointing me for, for the, my death that I shall have in just a matter of days. They couldn't understand all these things either. There are many things about the scriptures, many things about spiritual life that are not easily understood. Because of one thing that we do, we live most of our life in the wrong area. You live after all the, all of the natural senses, your ability to see, your ability to hear, your ability to touch, your ability to taste, and your ability to feel. You can live in the range of those things. And that is why this rock music is no good in the church. I saw in the, uh, in the, above all things, in the Geographic magazine, and uh, the, uh, there was a little article in there about the 700 Club, and this rock church, there's no such a thing as a, a rock church. If they said this church has gone on the rocks, then you'd have understood what they're talking about. There's no such a thing as a rock church. There might be a rock gathering. And you cannot use the soul to sing soulish songs that God will listen to. He won't listen to it. He doesn't want songs from the soul. That's the natural carnal man. He wants songs of the spirit. That's where the, that's what the, 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 the Holy Ghost wants to do. He wants to, you to sing from that realm of the Spirit. He doesn't want all the logic of the natural man. Sounds wonderful, you know. Save the money, save the money. My Mary, you should have been careful. You should have taken us to one side before you broke that, that box of, of ointment. Because they're, they're, you just threw a lot of money away. She was right. She wanted to do something beyond her ability. She wanted to give him the best. There's somehow she saw him not from the natural, but she saw him from who he really was. If you are aware of the, the tremendous culmination of the dispensation in which I, you were all living, you would be very careful about your life. You would be very careful about what you're doing. This is a time where there's going to be a great infusion. And John on the Isle of Patmos called it the Laodicean time. In the Laodicean era, uh, there will be powers let loose that will make uh, a great, uh, great inroads to, uh, to your life. The things that you were once taught now you're not looking at them too well. You can see quite easily that, like this is one, I'm not going to harp on it. Uh, woman's lib. You, you can see how the wife could go out and work and she could make her hundreds of dollars and assist in getting better furniture in the house. She can put in a dishwasher. She can put in all the other things that she requires. They can have two cars. They can have many things that she, they couldn't have without her working. And so what happens, 
the children then start to take the lesser part of the family. Uh, the children now must be farmed out, go to one of these centers that the government provides for, and women get put young children, three and four, into school. My, oh my, why people want to go to school at three and four? The most obnoxious thought, it's the most disturbing thought to my, uh, my tranquility. I had a hard time when they sent me to school at seven. Eight, it became nearly intolerable. Nine and ten, I played hooky very often. Maybe you don't know what hooky is. I am not going to explain it either. And as I grew older, I longed for the day when the, the summer holidays came. I, I longed for them as an animal longs for a fresh drink of water. And sometimes we get teachers that came in there, and when they start to tell you something, uh, they had, uh, they didn't seem to have the ability to make it interesting to you. I never found school interested, interesting until I got into the technical departments, and it started to open up to my heart why I should be educated. But the other was drudgery, drudgery. I shouldn't be saying this, should I? When I've got grandchildren, that are all A students. I shouldn't be saving. They don't get that from their granddad. That comes in from another source. That's right. But I had certain loves. I can, I can remember certain loves that were in my heart. One was anytime they got into the history, I could, I could remember all the details of it. So that I wrote the, the examination on history and they thought, wonderful. But when there was other things they asked me about, I got zeros. Isn't that a strange thing? Uninterested, totally uninterested in it. And so these children go to school so early. They should be made to play. Even the bears know that. They rollick and frolic and jump and little lambs do the same. And in proportion to the age when they mature, uh, they had long gone by the school period. But the children should play. It develops them. And then they shouldn't fill their head with all kinds of other things. And and schools are, are dragging down because of that. And our society has growing strangely sour. It seems to me there's no way for it to recover. Just seems no way for it to recover. Recently, having spent time pondering over the, the state of affairs in in, uh, in the Near East, I had a hard time making the division of things in there. But after much pondering over it, I, I seem to have got a better grip of it. And what I, when, when I was listening to the President speak concerning it, on the, a review of the, of the Resolution 242 of the Camp David, uh, time of, of gathering together, he said the greatest problem in the, in the Near East is, it's entirely a religious situation. You have all these Shiites, which are a, a section of the Islamic people. They are monotheists, just like the Israeli people. And uh, they, they are so divided. And they're so adamant about Israel being given a homeland. And you have the, uh, that Arafat, he is over the PLO, 
And, and he is also a kind of a, a member that goes along dividing wherever he seems to go. And you have the Hussein and all those, they've tried to get together, but there's always these religious barriers that stop them. And as I listened to him explain that, and I'd pondered over it, I remember many things about Israel. I remember the time when they uh, gained that concession and were set uh, at once on a pathway back to a homeland. And then uh, uh, France at one time had the mandate over Syria. And they couldn't settle Syria about the same time as the British had the mandate over over Palestine. And so with the help of uh, the United States and also England at the time, they made the division. And the division became Lebanon, where the Christian uh, gathered in Lebanon. And the Islamic people stayed in Assyria. And you have a whole raft of divisions in there. And you wonder how it will come to pass. The only answer I can see is what the prophets saw in the Old Testament. There is no amount of, of counseling when they had the, uh, the opportunity to, uh, it seemed a startling time uh, when the, the uh, Egyptian monarch came and made that tremendous move towards Israel and then was later assassinated. The leader also about the same time of uh, Lebanon was assassinated. Assassinated by a religious sect. And so that the, instead of them being a collusion, they're just going farther and farther apart. But there are, are promises that are beyond dispute that Israel will be, will have her homeland. Because the promise was given to Abraham and God has indicated that he will take her back. But there is another thing that has happened in the earth. Instead of the, the believers belonging as into one group, we are so divided. Men are quick to dominate. And uh, they take little segments here and little segments there. And we cannot, even in Syria, the Protestants are against the Catholics. And the Catholics against the Protestants. In Ireland, you can't get it settled the Catholics are against the Protestants, and the Protestants are against the Catholics. They think nothing of blowing the heads off one another. They think nothing of undermining their buildings and setting them on fire. They think nothing of destruction. We've gone mad. We've absolutely gone mad. We're losing all of our sense of direction. Where can you get direction? There's only one way there can come a, a cementing of people And that is when you all walk in the realm of the Spirit. You can never get it anywhere uh, else upon the earth. You can be a very devout person and still be divided. The only way you can unify anything is for you to, to be lifted up in an area where you can see the whole situation as God sees it. I hang my head in shame when I think of the divisions that we have in our country. 
terrible divisions because they're trying to understand the scriptures from a natural mind. How can you analyze the scriptures naturally? There's no possible way for you to analyze the scriptures naturally. But he has made a way. On the way is where he speaks to you and to your spirit. Your spirit has the capabilities of receiving. Your spirit has the capabilities of feeling. Your spirit has the capabilities uh, just like the, the natural body or the soul structure. I, I can be, I can be moody. Sometimes, uh, my wife will say to you, I, I can't deal with you much today. You're in one of those moods. There are times, I'm not mad. I, I, I'm just that, that something comes upon me where I, I want, I want to not be visionary because that isn't what I want. I, I want somehow the, uh, the, the, something within me to be satisfied. I don't know why you're made the way you are. I've stood be- besides a, this is humorous, and I've stood besides a carved, uh, uh, a masterpiece of marble. And I, as I've looked at that, I've just cried. Isn't that a strange thing? Crying. But I couldn't, I couldn't, I had no other way of controlling my emotions. It was so magnificent. If I went, I know if I went in the Sistine Chapel, and saw the wondrous works of that tremendous artist, it would so move me emotionally. I couldn't help but be moved. As Brother Doug said, as he looked over the sunset on Lake Victoria, as it was sinking over uh, Uganda there, and send its shafts of gold across that lake, and the lake moving under a slight breeze, every ripple was covered and overlaid with this pure gold, a magnificent color, not a five carat or a ten carat gold, but 24 carat gold was covering that long shaft of light uh, for many, many miles. Uh, such a sight, such a sight to behold. And I thought, as I had looked over that lake many times, as that water trickled from that lake down the White Nile and off down into the main source of the Nile. That was where Moses had his little ark. And he sat in there, and he was being moved along by the tide, and God told the mother to put it out in the water. And there it was moving down the water, and this little uh, little uh, Israeli baby there, little curly hair, I can see him all the curls all up there, just like mine, you know. And the nice dark brown eyes and when the and when she got to where the there's a the, where somebody could communicate with the, the little babe in the ark I don't know what happened but the little baby started to cry and the uh, Pharaoh's daughter heard it here's this hand of providence oh my god what a hand and uh, that hand of providence said uh, by the mouth of the little uh, princess, I hear a baby crying in the reeds. I've stood at a baptismal service in the midst of those reeds. They are about up to the light from where I am standing. And they, they fan out in a great palm. And uh, there are long, waving shaft there. And she heard this cry, and, 
And uh, one of the maids went out and brought the baby. And when she looked at that little baby, you know there's really no ugly babies, are there? I like them because they're so out of proportion. If I'd had to make a baby, I'd never made one like that. No way. But I don't have to make babies anymore. <laughs> That's just one of those thoughts that came into my mind. That shouldn't have. But she looked down at this little baby. And uh, she could see the tears, no doubt, how those little tears come down. They, they just drop like uh, little separate diamonds when a baby cries. They kind of bubble out from behind their little eyelid. And it was resting on the cheek and she looked down there and, I, and I'm sure God's put in her heart, isn't he beautiful? Oh, he's so beautiful. And the, the uh, maid said, better be careful, he's an Israelite. I don't care if he's an Israelite, he's beautiful. Let me hold him. Oh boy, that's the thing that, that shakes them up. She wasn't married, and she held that baby, and all the natural instinct surged right to the front. She said, I don't care what my father says, I'm going to keep this little baby. You take him away and put him away in my chambers. Don't say one word about it. So she took his little swaddling wrap, and they put it in their arm, and they jostled him off. And a little girl popped up on the scene and she said, uh, do you need a nurse? <laughs> oh, I can see that little thing because I look at my granddaughters for the same way. There she's looking at you with such a, do you need a nurse? No, no boundaries in her heart that she was talking to royalty. Well, she said, dear, I do need a nurse. I know where you can get an Israelite's mother that's a wonderful nurse. But you bring that Israelitish mother right to me and let me have a little talk with her. And she was out and around there like, like a jackrabbit. She gone, she went so fast and she burst into her little doby house and she said, mother, mother, come quick. Uh, the Moses has been caught by the, uh, by the princess and she wants a nurse. You come. She wants a nurse. So when the mother came and she looked at the princess, I guarantee she was shaking in her boots. People, you know, when the hand of God is at work, his sister uh, uh, spoke to me about her house, and they, she said, you know, as long as the wind is down, we won't have any problems. For the wind gets up, we could be burned out. It was God that quieted the wind, and God can provide the rain. But we're always nervous like that. And so she said... Uh, as, the nurse, as the maid, not the maid, the princess spoke to her. She said, "Can you? Will you nurse this child? We just found her in the reeds. You know, it's, we. I know what the problem is." She said, "Well, my father's uh, uh, has predicted that they should die, but he's not going to touch this baby, and I want you to nurse him. And uh, don't say one word. It must be kept in full secrecy." Oh my! That woman had such a closed mouth, there'd be no way you'd ever get the secret out of her. And so when everybody had gone away, 
and there was her own offspring in such, oh, such exclusive bedrooms. Oh, my. He'd been in a little adobe house laying on boards there and no drapes over the window. When she comes into this place, here those magnificent drapes done by the finest artists of the land. The beds, all so wonderful. She'd never seen such beds, dishes, and utilities. And everybody could, would haul water for her. She didn't haul water anymore. And she picked up that little bundle and she looked at him. She said, Moses, only God could have done this. Only God could have done this. I am sure when nobody's around, she blessed him and hugged him and kissed him and powdered him. And a baby smells so nice when they're all powdered, don't they? You know, there are times when they don't, but there are, there are times when they're... Uh, when our babies were being put to be- bed at night, they were bathed and scrubbed and cleaned and manicured. And then they were sprinkled with Johnson's powder and everything. I should get paid for that, shouldn't I? <laughs> and then tucked into bed. And many times I'd watch, not my wife kissed them many times before they went to sleep. I can see Moses' wife there, little Moses' mother, taking him into such a royal room and not wearing those old rough uh, cloths that he had on. That little thing that was made on the mother's loom that would wear your hide off. But no, now he was in silks and satins and all the wonderful things I can see as she put ointment all over him. All the myrrh, aloes and all those things and rub it over his little uh, little back there and curl his hair, put it all so nice and put him into that bed. And she'd have to bow her knee beside him. To others, it was only as though she was going to look at him and give him the last endearing touch. I know his Egyptian princess would come in and want to hold him, but there was a different holding. A mother holds a baby different, and especially her own baby. God in his infinite wisdom, in his infinite power, knows to make, he can work all nations around one particular fulcrum. And the, the maid, I am sure, when she looked at him, was one thing. And the mother would stand back and she'd watch the princess take him out and say, he's so beautiful. But she'd have the joy of scrubbing him up. Oh, what a joy that is, isn't it? I, I, you know, I thank God many times for Get them on backwards or forwards. And uh, there are times, you know, that I just used to wait till my dear wife came home and she'd detect my problem. I detected, but I never said anything. I, I was no good in that department. And she'd get in there and she'd scrub him up and get him all ready. I'm guaranteed that Moses' mother delighted in the time when she could take him in any episode of his life. When he fell for the first time and cut himself for the first time, she was there mending him all the time. Oh, this marvelous thing that God is doing. 
Now God has purposed in his heart to take out a people, a people for his name, and the enemy has decided to do everything within his power the moment that that child comes to birth. He'll do all within his power to destroy him. You know how he'll destroy him? I'll tell you how he'll he'll destroy the church. You young people are one of the greatest agents in the last days that will be used to destroy the church, if you can. You won't destroy the church, you'll destroy yourself. But you'll cause a great concern, and that is uh, when you walk away contrary and you go over the neck of your own mom and dad, you go, you go outside of that. And uh, you do the things that you shouldn't do. And you'll, you'll marry some handsome man. He may be good, he may not be, I don't know. But in the last days, children and women will rule. In the last days, we'll have a, a condition come upon the earth which will do everything within its power to break down the church. You elders are going to have to be more strong than you've ever been because you'll do like these disciples as they were, as that myrrh was poured out there. Oh my, what a, what a dedication. You and I need that dedication or we'll never see right. You'll never understand the, the, the tremendous drift that we have in the earth. That drift is on. It's not going to come. It's on. And there's nothing like family life. Nothing. My wife might appear very pleasant to you, but you touch her kids and she's a tiger. That's right. She, she'll defend her children with all the power that's in her. And that's something that God has put within a woman. She has tremendous power to do things. But there's a brooding now of the Holy Spirit coming over us and a prophecy that he'll open a new door. I want to enter into that new door. And the, you cannot, you cannot, uh, uh, take and make the church conform to the pattern that's being used in the world. There are many things that are out there, no doubt, are very similar. I'm not prepared because I don't understand all about them. But I do know this. I know that, I know the, what the church is to be like. She's to be unpretentious. A man came that was sent on some project of the government to talk to, talk to me about the very early days of this. He said, you low, you have such a low profile here that nobody hardly knows about you. And, uh, I said, that may be so, but we're, we're known. Well, he said downtown they do all kinds of things to promote their own enterprise. Our, this, the church is, has a self, a self-developing system within it. The church has the capabilities of making increase of itself. As God has ordained marriage, it has the capabilities of making their own increase of the human race. And men come up with the idea uh, that uh, that you can bring two men together and they can live. 
as a husband and wife and share in, in, a, in a physical experience. And, and you know what? They're absolute morons. I don't care if they're in the constitution, have constitutional rights to have their own kind of things. It makes no difference. The constitution uh, isn't, it isn't a declaration from God at all. It's the analysis of a natural man. And, and so, uh, these homosexuals can live together and, and they'll soothe one another. You know, if a man did that to me, I think even though I want to be spiritual, I'd have to smack him right across the mouth. I, I, I'm so revolted by the way sex is used. Improperly all the way. And it is that, that tremendous drag. It has such drag. It has such force. It blanks out your reason. It blanks out your intelligence. A girl will leave the security of a solid home, raise it after the spiritual, a spiritual way, and she'll marry a man outside, and she knows he drinks, she knows he curses, she knows he lives wrong. And she's so much, she says, in love with him, that she has to marry him. I have another word, and, and it comes from the scriptures. That, that kind of thing is a seduction. You are seduced uh, to be involved in such a, a critical thing. It's just, it's so critical that if Brother Berg said to me, Brother Hole, I need an operation in my heart. Take your jackknife out, out and give me a bypass, would you? I'd give him a bypass, he'd be in the cemetery. That's about the only way I'd, he'd be bypassed. No, you can't survive it. There's no way you can survive that kind of a thing. Absolutely none. There's a young woman came to our house, or where we were staying in Victoria, and uh, she entered into that. She married this beautiful mounted police. Beautiful. Men look beautiful when they put uh, uh, put up some kind of a, a military form on them, and girls go gaga over them. They're, they're stupid. Go down to the Salvation Army and buy yourself a uniform and hang it up in your closet. It always seems so it's the same to me when you see the House of Lords and they come all walking in. They're all so pompous. Little fellas about that knee high to a grasshopper come in there with their long black robe and a, and a wig made from the sheep hanging down over there. And immediately they sit there, they sit with a dignity uh, with, in such pomp and ceremony, all of a sudden they're, they become gods. And they're possibly underneath all of that fanfare, all that kind of a mockery. Well, I know that many people love the ceremony. But because a, a judge puts on that robe and he has such authority in our courts, and you better believe it, there is a, there is a proper judge that judges beyond all the judgments of men. We're caught in a, we're caught in an awful thing. I, I warn you young men, I warn you young women, that there is no way that you can make between two people a union that God can make when you stay in the realm where God wants you. It is God's design. It never came from Hollywood. There is no man, and here is the most stupid thing, the most asinine thing 
that these these uh, movie moguls have made. They'll, they'll start a wonderful story. And I saw one and I was all ready to listen to it because I like a story. And knowing the story well, it opened in a bedroom scene. The leading man and the leading woman in a bedroom scene. You know, those movie moguls must think we're, we're all a lot of mental people. To, and that we are, are so demoralized that our thinking cannot see the destructive thing that's in that. But I am telling you, when I see those things, I have a switch. Sex is made and designed of God to, to co- create a, bo- a bond between a husband and wife and used in any other way. Outside of that union, you come against problems. Problems that you will never escape. I don't care how old you go. And when they're laying you out at the last time, and you know you're coming to the end, you'll have recollection of the heinous day that you indulged in. God forgives you. Stay under the shadow of that forgiveness. Don't you bear yourselves to the judgment of God. Because when you stand before Him, the books will be open. And the book of my life, you could take the book of my life and He could run down it there. And He could find all the episodes of my life. The only way that book cannot be read and charged against me is when the the blood of Calvary comes trickling over that and it runs over that whole record and smears it out. And when you look at that now, it'll be snow white. You stay outside of that record, and you're in deep trouble. I wouldn't, if I were you, I wouldn't pillow my head tonight without making a confession of that to God and have the power of Calvary wash it away. If you keep on allowing it go by, the spirits that are loose on the earth are to, to, to bring in such a delusion and a diluting of authority. You'll find that the people will rise one of these days and question the authority of every apostolic ministry we've got. They'll question every, every elder that we've got. They'll say, well, you take too much upon yourself. Because educators teach that. A man can be educated beyond his intelligence and don't forget it. A man can be highly schooled and not have the capabilities of a sound judgment. Don't forget it. You can go to the high levels of of our scholastic world without being all mucked up with this kind of thing that we've got. If it would be be within my power, every, every man that has those homosexual uh, things charged against them, every woman that believes in all that immorality and woman's lib and so on, I would take them off the registry of the school. If I had the power, I would take every homosexual and I would put him on some designated island and I would say, your sentence is 100 years. And all you would find after a hundred years is a few sticks 
staying up here. Here's Bill, Bill McGray, there's uh, John Doe, and so on. And there wouldn't be a soul left because they have no power of creation. When you rob yourself of the power of creation, you rob yourself of one of the great gifts of God. I told you the story of that mother and briefly told it to you because there's so much about it, about that baby being in the bulrush. That's a real river. Those are real bulrushes. That's identified on the map today. Those are, there's a real place for that. Those are real people in history. And God, when God finished raising that baby and, and schooled him and made him where he wanted him, and set him in office. He was 80 years of age. He stood in the, in the courts of Egypt. One of the, because of what he did against Egypt, they took their chisels and they took him off the, off the, uh, off those, not the lentils, the entablatures. They took him off the monuments and they, they stripped his name by an edict so that he would be lost to the record because he had close association with the chief monarch. He could have, he was favored to be the chief monarch. But then, the things that his mother taught him, oh, you mothers that believe in ad lib, you'd be better changing it today and saying, I want to say to my little baby, now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. When one of the great men that was trying to bring Israel into being, they asked him the question, what was the greatest thing of his life? And he said it was his grandfather and his mother and his father's prayers and teachings. And when that man was to face the great odds of government to try to bring Israel into being, he had that solemn promise that he'd seen on the Torah. And he said when the, when the uh, book was read, or when the scroll was read, it went into a special cupboard in the wall. And he said, I was taught as a little boy, I had, to, I had to walk and face it. I could never back up to the Word of God. I had to face it when I left it. I had to walk away. And at three years, four years of age, he was looking over his grandfather's shoulder and reading and learning to read that Hebrew Will you rise, please? Our Father, will you dismiss this people with your blessing as we eat together and as we fellowship together in Jesus' name. If you would like more information about the moving of God's Spirit or resources for your spiritual life, please visit our website at www.globalmissionsinc.org.